Welcome to the Outdoor Feast by Modern Carnivore. If you're new to hunting, fishing, or foraging, we welcome you to the conversation. Get ready for stories and insights that start in the Northeast, but range to the South, Far West, and wide open spaces in between. Now, here's your host, Todd Waldron. Welcome to the Outdoor Feast podcast. This is Todd. Thanks for joining us this week. I am thrilled to be at Pheasant Fest in Minneapolis. It's an incredible weekend uh, that Pheasants Forever has put on for its members and for all people who love conservation and upland hunting and bird dogs and a whole lot of other conservation partners. Uh, there, We have two guests on the podcast today that are going to share their stories about that with Pheasants Forever. I'm thrilled to have Marissa Jensen, um, who is the uh, Education and Outreach Program Manager nationally for Pheasants Forever, right? Yes. Thanks for joining us, Marissa. Thank you very much for having us. So, Marissa has been, uh, you have an incredible presence on like Project Upland, and you've got a whole bunch of stuff. And some of the cool things you've been working on, like with, uh, I think I read like National Youth Leadership Council Correct. and Women on the Wing, right? Yes. So, just, I'm excited to have you on the podcast Thank here so we you. can talk a little bit about that and how it relates to this weekend. And I'm also thrilled to have Kurt Bond here. Um, Kurt is a fellow Easterner. Absolutely. Um, and Kurt, you are based in Pennsylvania and you work with PF chapters in Pennsylvania, right? Correct. In New York regionally. Regionally. Yep. And uh, I'm glad to have another Easterner on this podcast. <laughs> so it balances things out a little bit. <laughs> and then, of course, I'm thrilled to have Mark Norquist with Modern Carnivore on the podcast. Thanks for joining us, Mark. Glad um, to be here. It's been a great weekend. And so I was, you know, I couldn't believe the energy like last night at the banquet, how I've never been to a banquet with that many people before. It was huge. It was huge. It was huge. And then Howard said like 1200. Yeah. And then, uh, so um, I'm in the, in the exhibitor hall this morning and, uh, the PA came on and said that, um, even here in Minnesota, uh, PF has something like 21,000 members and s- numerous chapters i think he said like 70 chapters or something like that county chapters which is absolutely amazing i mean we are in i mean that's prime time for pheasant country so so we're here to talk a little bit about the pheasant fest we're here to talk about what marissa and kurt do and um you know we're talking about how upland hunting contributes to r3 and what its role is and talking a little bit about habitat and so forth and what pf's doing so Let's uh, clarify R3, just because I think uh, a lot of times people don't know what that stands for. So go ahead. That's a great point. So actually, Marissa, why don't you say Well, thank you. I would love to. (laughs) (laughs) So R3 is recruit, retain, and reactivate. And that's really important for um, the hunting industry. It's really important for the angling, really just the outdoor industry in a whole. Um, With the hunting industry, you know, we're experiencing uh, a decline in hunters, um, which directly affects, you know, conservation funding, awareness, um, and just that, you know, general appreciation for the outdoors. So we're really trying to get more people involved, um, you know, talk to them about it, get them excited about it, um, you know, get them connected back to the land, back to habitat and wildlife. Um, So that's just a a way for kind of all organizations to, to jump on board with the um, you know, R3 initiative and kind of come together and, and build new hunters. Yeah, that's fantastic. It's great work. And uh, there, what do you think it is with, with bird hunting and, and upland hunting that is so compelling and so powerful that is drawing people into hunting right now? That's a great question. I think, 
the answer is, is going to be different for everybody, but, um, you know, bird dogs are, are a great component. Um, there's people who will, um, you know, look at a bird dog as a pet that don't necessarily hunt, and they see some of that, um, those genes come out, and they want to, you know, allow the dog to really live up to its full potential. Next thing you know, you've got a hunter following a bird dog. Um, the scenery, I think that's a big part of it, too. Um, you know, the uplands are so diverse. You can go from, you know, the Northwoods to the Sandhills in Nebraska, um, you know, to t cattail sloughs. And, and there's just so many great places to go and things to experience. Um, so I think that's a, a big part of it. And uh, upland birds taste phenomenal. So yeah. <laughs> there is that too. yes, there is. Yeah. And, and Kurt, so uh, talk a little bit about what's happening in the east with Pheasants Forever and some of the, the work that you're doing with hunter recruitment and retention and how what the scene is in, in the east where sure, you're working regionally. Sure. The, the east region has um, really taken off um, in the last couple of years and last several years with uh, these uh, events and, and getting um, new people engaged and involved. And we're really seeing, uh, specifically in New Jersey and New York and Pennsylvania, um, more interest in getting involved in not just the hunting but the dog training. And, and so often... Uh, I'll attend a chapter event or uh, attend an event and you see the, the kid or the adult is there for the first time getting introduced to the sport and then they're repeat customers, right? They're coming back the next year and, and, and then it's, well, two years they've got their own dog started and, and now all of a sudden this tradition and uh, interest just continues to grow and blossom and um, and that's in general we're seeing that across the whole region not just any specific one area but in the whole entire region in mid-atlantic mid region um, we're seeing that all yeah. the way yeah it's powerful stuff and mark like how is bird hunting with some of the great programs that you've been working on with modern carnivore and you have such a great hunting legacy here with bird hunting in minnesota so like what's your experience been and how that fits into hunter recruitment and how it can draw people new people to hunting to connect to the outdoors yeah I, th I think it's i think it is a great it's a great activity that's um the dog component you, you, nothing else compares with it right you know, you, it's, mm -hmm. it's a draw absolutely you know and uh it can also be a barrier though too if you think about it because then what people think oh well you have to have a dog to be able to hunt uh, upland which yeah. obviously is not true yeah, it's not <laughs> it's just an added component so yeah but i mean i think it's great like like for us here in minnesota grouse hunting is as popular as 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 pheasant hunting and you know to go for a walk in the woods with a gun in the fall on a beautiful clear day with the crunch of the leaves under your feet it doesn't get any better. And I was so say, just paint that picture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's just, it's so fun to get people out and to experience that and go, Oh wow. I didn't realize how pleasurable it can be. Even if you don't see a bird, you yeah, know, absolutely. and it's just, and so that's the, I think that's what is great about it from the standpoint of introducing people to hunting. That's where Upland comes in really well. Yeah. And it's such a great time of year to be out oh, and the yeah. smells of the woods mm. that time of year, you know, it's just, there's nothing better than being in the grouse woods in the fall. No, it's, no, it's, it's fantastic. You know, talking about um, bird dogs, like I just was recently a friend of mine let me borrow um, a book called Pheasant Dogs by Keith Crowley. Yes. And it's a wonderful book. It's like, have you, it's got these, it's it, got no. these profiles no. of stories of maybe 15 people, right? And, and their stories with their dogs. And it's got German short hair pointers and, and other dogs, 
you know, and, and there's stories about it. Yeah. And it, it's yeah. like the, the pictures are wonderful and it just makes you want to go get a bird dog. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, like, my, my wife and kids were here yesterday and that was what they were doing. Cause our daughter's allergic to, to most breeds. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, wow. And so that's what mm-hmm. she was like. And she told, she told my wife yesterday, she said, mom, I'm putting a dog on my b- birthday wish list. So, oh, wow. so we got to figure out, we got to figure out what, uh, what's yeah. going to work with it. So. Sure. <laughs> uh, they pull at your heartstrings. Oh, they do. Yeah. There's and some it, beautiful dogs here. My gosh, the ones that have been walking around. Isn't it amazing? They're yeah. Gorgeous and gorgeous. so well behaved. Well behaved. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Every single one of them. Yeah. I can't believe I the demeanor of them. Just, yeah. So I'm just glad I didn't bring mine because then it would have set everything off. <laughs> <laughs> we would have went downhill, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's great. And so, Marissa, like before we started podcasting, you and I were talking about Nebraska and your background. And I think you'd said you'd started hunting like maybe four years ago, did you say? Yep, correct. So what was your journey like? How did that roll out and how did you end up where you are with uh, today? Yeah, so um, I was uh, actually, you know, opposed to hunting for most of my life. Um, You know, it just, you know, it wasn't something that I actively, you know, thought about. But when people talked about hunting, I just, I, I didn't understand how you could shoot an animal. But I ate meat. I love meat. Yeah. You know, it's, it's always been a big, part of my diet, um, and always been really, you know, active in the outdoors. I loved fish, hike, camp, all of that. Um, so, you know, it, it took, um, until I was 30 years old and, um, for whatever reason, I wish I could figure it out. Cause it's, you know, th- that silver bullet to figure out R3, but, um, you know, I just kind of decided to listen a little bit differently when somebody talked about it and, you know, thought about the fact that, um, I could, provide food for my family, you know, clean, healthy food that I'm going out and, you know, I'm exercising, I'm, I'm getting out to those places that are so gorgeous to pursue it. Um, you know, you mentioned that, you know, going for a walk in these places, I've gone to places that I never knew existed before in my own state that, um, you know, that's where I want to spend all of my time now. I don't want to go home. That's where I want to stay. Um, and hunting was the reason that you went there. Otherwise exactly. you would have gone there. I never mm-hmm. would have gone. So, um, I think it's just, you know, it, it's really changed everything. The, the bird dog, um, the, the healthy food, there was a lot of things, um, that kind of, you know, went into it. Definitely the, the upland hunting was the bird dog component. And once I, you know, stepped into the field with that bird dog, it's, it's changed everything. And, you know, I, I like other styles of hunting and, and, you know, I want to continue to grow and learn, you know, other avenues, but that's, that's where it's at for me. That's fantastic. Yes. And so did you have a mentor through that process or did you just kind of learn as you went? Yeah. So how did that look? I have a, a cousin that would help, um, when he could, he lived about three hours away and, um, it was hard for me to kind of get out to his area. It just wasn't very feasible. Most of the time, um, he took me on my first turkey hunt and that was my first bird. It was actually pretty scared of shotguns. Um, I just, you know, shot one previously, didn't hold it correctly, you know, just didn't like it. Um, but he helped me kind of get over that fear. And, um, he was actually the one that mentioned that I should try upland hunting, um, just because I have a love for animals. I was a vet tech for 10 years, um, and did a lot of dog training. And so, you know, putting hiking and dog training together is just there you go. You have yeah. upland hunting. Um, but a lot of the times I just couldn't get out there. So I just kind of taught myself along the way. I would just get out there, you know, trial and error and um, just hang out with the dog by myself. And 
we got lost a couple times and <laughs> but it works i'm here today yep. so you know i did something right so the, do- the dog was a big component of your entire process early on yes huh? yeah that's interesting that's yes. really interesting obviously german short hair pointer right there's no, no other oh, <laughs> are there any other dogs no no i mean there's other dogs but they're just dogs <laughs> Oh, that's great. Thank you. And, and Kurt, so like you're in the East and mm-hmm. what's your path been like um, with the outdoors and hunting? And like when, when you talk to people, you, you see the chapters you're working with in the Northeast, like what are the unique circumstances or the unique things that they're doing? Um, anything with habitat, anything with hunter recruitment um, that might be happening in the East that you want to share? Yeah, I think uh, the, the chapters uh, f- are following kind of in the same footsteps that someone like myself did where they're where they're getting youth engaged at at a very very young age it's amazing to show up to some of these events and I can recall when I'm, when I was going through these uh mentor uh hunts and opportunities you'll see a uh, the 15 year old brother and the 13 year old sister and the 10 year old sister and you know you'll see uh three or four or five of the kids there and so um the the chapters and the region specifically you're seeing more of this uh bringing the whole family to the table which is how i got involved in hunting and uh the outdoors it was a family event and so we're trying to build that within the region i've noticed um they're family events it's not just to show up a father and a son or a father and a daughter or a mother and a daughter it's uh, you know you got grandpas there and grandmas there and you know the cousins and um it's i don't want to say it's a party atmosphere but it's a it's a more enjoyable um all-inclusive in getting others involved too in that event and um i've it's it's working um, and like I said earlier, you're, there's re- repeat customers. The kids are coming back and they're bringing a friend the second year because they had so much fun. And now mm-hmm. you've got two kids instead of one. And um, again, that's that's how I got others involved when I was a kid. I had a great first hunt and said, hey, why don't you come next weekend? And now there was two of us out there in the blind with my dad. So um, it's just that constant reminder to to bring in from the outside to these events and it's and it's working out really great very Um, cool chapters are doing great stuff with with mentored hunts and uh, opportunities then that's the other thing too is there's just there's more opportunities uh, because of our chapters and volunteer base out there it's one event is no longer enough and two is not enough it's not good enough for them Uh, they're striving to do more and more and more and create more opportunities and and we're and they're they're filling their uh, slots you know, if yeah. you get 20 people in there and they kind of sells out right away. So um, that's why they just keep having more events. And and there were people uh, this weekend in the booth. You know, I was talking to people. I like to ask people where they come from because there's some people that travel a long way. Mm-hmm. There were people from Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. There were people from the Alleghenies, you know, from Western Maryland. Yeah. Um, so people, I mean, it's real there. And we had a, you know, uh, uh, I think from my region, the South Jersey chapter, uh, they brought uh, 10 or 12 people, a uh, fairly new chapter, and um, they're making a great go of it. And they were here supporting uh, the organization and wanted to see what they were part of and uh, had a good night last night. And uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and the, and the thing that's kind of cool about this is I think that uh, 
when people think of the East, they might not necessarily, you know, you think of grouse, right? But mm-hmm. you might not think of upland hunting as much as you think of here in, in like the heart of upland hunting in the Midwest and out into the Western states. But there's some incredible upland hunting opportunities like in in new york and pennsylvania right there's some there's a good way to connect to the outdoors there's a lot of opportunity there's a lot of uh land uh huntable land and and beautiful country in both those states all the all the whole region in general um uh, obviously pennsylvania's got a pretty uh rich tradition of upland hunting and new york does as well um and there's just a great opportunity a lot of opportunities out there to to get out in the field and and get upland hunting that's it's great. interesting because, you know, I think like you said, I think most Midwesterners, myself included, I've never hunted out east. I haven't either. Yeah. yeah. And, it's, and so it's like, and, and, and so when you talk, you guys are talking about this, public land out east to go hunt upland. Mm-hmm. That's it. That exists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I think uh, we need to go see it. Too. Exactly. Yeah, I think yeah. we do. So I think <laughs> there's an invitation <laughs> yeah. waiting for you in your email inbox, That's right. maybe. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's great stuff. And so, Marissa, you want to talk about the Women in the Wing program? Yeah. Would you do that? And absolutely. Talk a little bit about what you're doing and how powerful that is. Yeah. And like what you're up to with it. Yeah. The so the Women on the Wing initiative is um, it officially began in 2018 um, with us here. But, uh, you know, really it started many years before that. Um, You know, we had a lot of individuals within the organization that were hosting events, um, you know, geared towards women, women women-focused. You know, we had a lot of volunteers, a lot of interest. And so it just, you know, kind of like the organization, it, it grew from the ground up. And, you know, we, we finally realized this is really great. There's a lot of interest. There's a lot of excitement. We, we really need to kind of grow this program. So in 2018, that, that launched, um, we have four programs within the Women on the Wing initiative. So R3 is one of them, Recruit, Retain, Reactivate. And that's everything from, um, you know, learn to wing shoot, um, like clay target events, um, to learn to hunt, uh, you know, one day events to weekend experiences. Um, one thing that we recognize in R3 is that need for social support. Um, you know, sometimes you, you introduce somebody, but then what's the next step to, to keep them coming back for more? The weekend events are really neat because the, the individuals that attend, they have an opportunity to, to get to know one another and really build some great relationships. And so, you know, we hosted one this last year, and the, the ladies that attended, the mentees, they continued to connect over the season and, and go out together, and, and we actually um, all did a, a late season hunt together, too. So that's that's really exciting. Then we have um, our conservation outreach, so that is geared towards um, women landowners, so farmers and ranchers. Um, you know, there's a lot of um, growth there. Um, I think, you know, they have... Um, I have uh, some stats here that I was going to read for you guys. So 1 million women landowners in the United States owning one-third of all farmland and ranch land. That's incredible. It is incredible. I don't think very many people know that. No, No, I didn't know that beforehand. I mean, it's just remarkable. So we have some really great partners that we work with, um, you know, Women Food and Ag Network that helps us with um, women caring for the land events. It's uh, geared towards, um, you know, women that maybe have, um, you know, acquired land or, um, you know, they had a, you know, a spouse who passed away. They want to keep the land. They want to make conservation decisions, but they just don't know what to do. 
we're also finding that, um, you know, through those events, we were, we were gaining more and more, you know, younger landowners and individuals. So we're like, let's, this is great. Let's, let's continue to work with them. And, and so that's grown. Um, we have women on the wing chapters. And so those are, <clears throat> consist of women, you know, all women. Um, there's, there's some that, you know, the men come to, so they're, they're invited, they're allowed. Um, so, and so again, it goes back to that social support and it gives them an opportunity. It, it's no different than any of our other, you know, pheasants forever and quail forever chapters. Um, it, it allows them to have the opportunity to make conservation decisions in their community, yeah. which is really important. And last but not least, one of my favorites, uh, Women, Wine, and Wild Game. Oh, so yes. did you have one of those we this weekend? Did. So talk a little bit about yeah, that. Tell so, us about it. Yeah, it was absolutely phenomenal. Um, so that took place yesterday. Um, standing room only. Nice. Uh, it was just, it was remarkable. We have um, our North Dakota state coordinator um, was the uh, event planner for this, and she just did an amazing job. Rachel Bush, She's she's been a part of Women on the Wing before it was women on the wing. Um, and, you know, with her and um, a lot of her team from North Dakota and South Dakota, there's just a lot of people interested. So, you know, been working on this for probably the last year. Um, and it all came to fruition and, and it was great. Um, we had kind of a presentation for, for each one of the programs that we just talked about for Women on the Wing. Um, we had wild game, um, all sorts of wild game, not just upland birds. We don't discriminate. We like all food. So, <laughs> um, so it, it was a, just a, a great opportunity to, to meet individuals that are here, um, you know, gain excitement. And now it's, now we're thinking, okay, what's, what's next? This is yeah, right. continuing to grow. So I think we had just under uh, at least 160, 170 women in that room. So, that is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think is the, um, what, what's, what are some examples of where the, the programming, like what you've got here mm -hmm. creates that support and that comfort level? Because this is something that comes up a lot. I think people ask about, you know, should we be doing gender specific, sure. you know, yeah. structuring? And, and I definitely feel that that there needs to be because there, and there is value to it, but mm -hmm. I'd love to hear your, your thoughts on that. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I remember being in a meeting where, um, you know, one of the individuals in the room had a very great point that it just really resonated with me that, you know, when we're thinking about habitat, when we're thinking about wildlife conservation, you know, we're thinking big picture. And if, you know, we have individuals who they want to get connected with, you know, just their core group of individuals, that that's where they're comfortable, um, you know, whatever the reason, if we can get them to the table, we're going to do whatever we can so that they're making conservation decisions. They're a part of the organization. They're a part of the overall picture of wildlife conservation. Um, so, you know, some women feel more comfortable in that environment, learning from other women. Um, and if that's the way that we can get them engaged, we want to do whatever we can. Um, it's also really interesting. I went on a hunt um, a couple years ago with a, a chef from Omaha, and he did not grow up hunting either. And he said that for him, he felt like it was a barrier because there was this like stereotype, this expectation that he should know how to hunt. Mm -hmm. um, and so right. he felt really uncomfortable sometimes just asking somebody to help him. And so again, it's, you know, however we can reach those individuals, mm -hmm. um, through different programs, through different experiences. Um, you know, I think that's, that's great. 
Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, with your event yesterday, bringing people together around food and telling stories (laughs) is just classic and wine. 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 It doesn't get any better than that. Right. And I mean, bird dogs could have been in there, but that's, (laughs) (laughs) but there were bird dogs around. There were, so so we got it. You got the ambiance of it. What was your favorite dish yesterday? What, What was prepared? Oh, oh my gosh. They had all sorts of different cheeses and crackers. And then I would say, oh, there's, the salami, and I'm trying to remember, oh, I can't even remember which, probably the pheasant did. I have to go with that. Yeah. I yeah. feel like I'm obligated to say the pheasant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about the other ones after the podcast. Right. right, right. right. <laughs> we'll give you that one. Yeah. Then. yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, and, and Kurt then, so like with wild food, like have you had any experiences with that, like with bringing people together around wild food and what kind of wild recipes do you like? And like, what are your experiences and stories and um, anything like that? Well, and specifically, you know, these these new events um, are really taking off and becoming more popular. And, and I know Marissa gets uh, a lot of phone calls and emails, as I do, of uh, folks that just reach out to the organization and want to know more. They want to learn. They might not be tied to a, the organization yet, but they heard about this opportunity and want to uh, host an event or get involved with it. And so um, my experience so far has been uh, mostly through the chapters, obviously, uh, with the chapters hosting folks uh that reach out and just mm-hmm. say we want to have this event we want to bring mm-hmm. to the table a new group of people that might not be tied to you yet mm-hmm. uh a, a new group mm-hmm. and um we're okay we're mixing in you know just because we're maybe not hunters uh we uh respect conservation and we're interested in conservation and so it's been a whole nother piece added to the puzzle in in the region and it's growing fast very fast very fast specifically in your region absolutely interesting yes it's very interesting we were we were just talking earlier about why that may be yeah yeah you know navda has a really strong presence in Mm -hmm. that region too and i think um i was speaking with uh, an individual which is navda uh the uh, yes which NAVDA is North American. Oh, yes. Versatile. yes. Yeah, I'm just what for people it? who don't know what NAVDA <laughs> yes. is. Yeah. 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 Um, but I was speaking with somebody yesterday who I think they said that the, the women in their organization are, is about 20%, um, which is, I think, the nas- last time I saw the, the national average for uh, women hunters was around 11%. Yeah. Fastest growing, but um, yeah. so yeah. they've obviously yeah. got uh, so they're, a, a pretty high percentage there. Yeah. yeah. And that could definitely contribute to And we're it. seeing that. I'm not, I, I think, bringing in. Um, speakers mm-hmm. in the region and as the region grows and we can bring in some more impact uh, bring in outsiders so to speak that are more experienced with these types of events and speaking to them and um, I think it'll continue to grow and, and yeah. overall things are just growing there and, and yeah. for whatever reason whether people are just more aware or they're getting uh, a lot of us east coast folks uh, travel to the Midwest to do our hunting and maybe they're coming in contact with it out in the Midwest and then bringing it back and saying, well, I want to do this here. I don't mm-hmm. want to have to go yeah. across the country to uh, get involved in that or get engaged in that. And so I think there's a lot of that going on as well. Uh, yeah. A lot of traveling out of state and bringing it back. Uh, yeah. And, and, and they're getting some exposure on like stuff you're doing, like with Project Upland, some of your, right, some of your uh, media yeah. that you're working Absolutely. on. Yeah. It's very compelling you know, it's storytelling in its finest way. So, you know, I think they, they see that. And like, so, you know, I, I watched a public grouse film, for instance, in Syracuse last week, 
and it just really moves you. It's like the dogs, the landscapes, the stories of the people and, you know, those kinds of things that resonates with people. I think people see that and the, the, it clicks like, whoa, I, I want to try that. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And, and that's a good way to connect to the outdoors. Mark, what do you... Uh, I was just going to say, come back to... Uh, North American versatile hunt, hunting dog. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to know if you knew what it was. Okay. I, I would have guessed something entirely different. So <laughs> they, they were awesome this last year, this program that Modern Carnivore and Pheasants Forever did together, where we, they came in as a partner on it and brought these dogs to this Learn to Hunt camp we did. And it was, again, one of those highlights of where all of the all of the new hunters to a person said it was just amazing to see these dogs working and they brought such beautiful dogs brought poodle pointers which i wasn't familiar oh, wow. with that breed before they are yeah dogs. oh my gosh they were wow. great, great dogs and other kinds uh, but uh, it was uh, it was a lot of fun and it's just neat and and even i think with navda uh, i was talking to some people last night mike uh, and some others who are involved with navda and, and said out east and were aware of what we were doing here and so I think everybody working together, the partnerships mm-hmm. is just really cool too. It's fun to see everybody sort of getting on board together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How can we absolutely. how can we bring people in and make it yep. make it approachable? Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, I'll say this about the community building. Um, you know, I see the same thing that you're talking about with the groups and everything. And uh, in New York, for instance, um, the community building is really um, getting powerful. And like for instance, with um, women's outdoors programs, Mm -hmm. you know, becoming an outdoors woman, for instance, and extending that community, you know, having that support with others, like the peers, and then also like getting involved in um, being trainers and mentors, but also like even extending into hunter ed, you know, there's a need, there's a demand. Like when I talk to people um, about like what they need or what they see as um, perceptions, um, getting younger people involved in hunter ed programs too, more mm-hmm. accessible. So having access to that and specifically in New York, that's a big deal because if you go to population centers like Long Island and, um, Westchester County in New York city, it's not that easy to get hunter ed programs. Really? Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, because they're yeah. just so, you know, they're, they're there, but they fill up really quick and okay. it's, it's a bottleneck. We've yeah. got, so, we've got similar challenges here in Minnesota too, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. It's, there, there's, there's, the the capacity the demand is is outweighing the capacity right now and i think a lot of those old um firearm safety instructors who just did it for years i think there there aren't enough of them around and that's we, a right. very good point yeah. yeah yeah so one of the things we're working on in outreach um in new york is is uh, exposure for hunter ed um people you know trying to get mentors involved with hunter ed women mm-hmm. and younger people um, that have an interest in being hunter ed instructors, um, to be able to provide that opportunity. Um, I, I hear that a lot, like for women that want to get started hunting, having that access, having somebody that's younger yeah, and that they can relate to. And, and you don't have to be, uh, you know, somebody that's hunted for 30 years to be a hunter ed instructor. Okay. I mean, because like, if, if I can relate to you, if, if you're saying I've hunted for four years and, oh, that's my path too. And I, I'm, I can relate to that. And I understand that. And that, that creates that connection and that desire Absolutely. to want to pursue it. We all need to get past the imposter syndrome. I think of like, I think, and I've hunted my whole life and there are still aspects of, of mentoring where I could go, Ooh, I don't know if I've really got the experience to do that. Yeah. And, and if I, as someone who's hunted my whole life is doing that, 
I think I think most people are, and we've got in here in Minnesota a guy by the name of Alex McGillis who was who went through uh, one of the DNR Learn Hunt programs. Um, just became a mentor this last year. Fantastic. And those are the moments that are so exciting to see. And that's where we're going to start to get this wheel turning mm-hmm. and get more Absolutely. people involved. Yep. And we just need to replicate that. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and make it approachable so that people don't feel like they have to be perfect. Yeah. yeah you know yeah. what? It's, it's not going to be perfect. You just got to be there to be oftentimes just be there to somebody to ask a question, have a discussion with. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So, so true. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And so uh, how can people find w- the work that you're doing? Uh, you want to put a plug in for Pe- Friends Forever? Like talk about your programs? No, I don't or- want to put a plug in. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Here's your chance. <laughs> no, absolutely. Actually, we are, um, we're just getting ready to um, launch a, a page on our website at pheasantsforever.com um, where you can go to and see what we're doing with Women on the Wing. You can find out more information um, about each one of these programs. Um, there'll be kind of updated blogs that we'll have on there um, and my contact information. Um, but anyone can reach out to me at any point. Um, my email is mjensen, J-E-N-S-E-N, at pheasantsforever.org. I said that fast. J E. We'll put it. We'll put it in the show N- notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's your email address? I'll give it. Mine's yours. a little there. easier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, you know, I think that's a that's a really good place. Also, you know, have them talk with the chapters. Um, you know, when when Kurt mentioned that there's a lot of interest, um, you know, don't necessarily think that you have to have a women on the wing chapter to host these events um we don't want there to be barriers with this we want this to grow and be exciting so if you want to host a women wine and wild game event with your your traditional pheasants forever chapter and there's guys there great there was guys there yesterday they like wine and wild game too um so you know make it your own and um you know reach out to the chapters reach out to our regional reps um wherever you can and, and we'll help them get started that's great. And Mark, do you have anything else you want to add? No, I'll just say we'll put we'll put these uh, links in the show notes so people Perfect. can uh, can get them all and, and connect with Pheasants Forever, which is as we've been talking about for the last number of days, uh, just such a great partner and 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 doing such great work relative to bringing new people in. And it's so exciting to hear about out east all the energy and the and the oh, momentum yeah. going on out there. It's uh, it's really exciting, and so uh, anything we can do to to help you guys, and obviously make sure that our audience is connecting in and and finding finding ways to 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 be part of PF and buy yeah. a membership. That's there's that's my last one. You know, and, and, I, and, and I'll say uh, this is just like a, a really quick story, but like growing up in the the big woods of the Adirondacks. I did not have exposure to pheasant hunting. Yeah, um, I had a recent opportunity over in Massachusetts. We um, did a pheasant hunt with New England Adventures, which is a, a, a military-based um, program. It's a nonprofit, and what they're doing is they're bringing military families, veterans in to build community for them, and they they do hunts. And they're it's all nonprofit. It's all like if if you you want to get into this, they they handle all the funds and everything. So it's an amazing opportunity to get um, service members together to build community with themselves. Like we're talking about community and that's a way to connect with them. Oh, yeah. They have like this special bond that they, an experience that they've been through. And that was an amazing opportunity. Like we sat in, in the kitchen and had this conversation as uh, Todd Crevier was making pheasant stew and you could just tell how exciting and how, how it brought everybody together. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. 
Uh, the other thing I'm going to say is, um, so I have never been to a pheasant fest before. This was my first one. Wow. And so the inaugural run, like I was so impressed with the energy, with the people, with the message, you know, all the programs that you're doing. It extends like the big picture stuff of extending the conversations that were had this mm -hmm. weekend, extending to the big stuff, you know, that we're talking about here it's it's exciting it's energizing so we picked a great first year to come <laughs> absolutely yeah we had a lot of really great new things this year yeah. so so yeah what was your favorite oh my gosh what was my favorite i think you know i'm gonna say that um Part of the favorite, I just like talking to people. And so part of the my favorite experience is as people come through, I was in the booth a lot this weekend, right? So I didn't get a chance to really watch some of the seminars. But hearing people's stories about, okay, where are you from? And like, how far did you come? And what do you like to do? And what brings you here? And it's an incredible um, opportunity. Like the, there's things that just resonate through. There's commonalities to that. You can pick up people's passion for the outdoors. Um, and you can certainly see it here in Minnesota. I mean, there's such an energy for it. And uh, on a program level of what y'all are doing for hunter recruitment, um, and just the people, the participants too, you know, so I think it was that, yeah. I, I, and I was impressed with the, uh, with the banquet last night too. Great. I mean, just seeing all those people, I just blew my mind. <laughs> yeah. What, anything for you, Mark, that, yeah, I mean, this is, I, I, I had a feeling coming into this. I, I probably, I think this is my third or fourth, uh, pheasant fest. Um, and, um, I felt coming in, there was going to be a ton of energy and there was, and, yeah, and it's just, absolutely. it's, it's just so exciting to see the, the public lands pavilion, mm -hmm. the pathway to the mm -hmm. uplands stage in that area. I mean, just all these things bringing in, it's fun to see uh, this, this crowd, a very diverse crowd, you know, yeah. we yeah. want to continue to make them more diverse, but absolutely. it just, you know, br bring everybody in. It's a big tent and everybody's invited and that's <laughs> what was fun. Yeah. 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 And Kurt? You have anything you want to share? I, you know, I was uh, busy doing the, a lot of the uh, the prepping and the planning, but I would I would share the same feeling that it, there's a lot of commonality and a lot of energy, and uh, it's fun. I love coming here and and from the east, um, and hearing the stories from the Midwest hunters and uh, just getting to know people from all over the country. I think it's a great opportunity to um, pet some dogs while you're walking around the show floor. Um, see some breeds that you'd never seen before right. and, um, and then just catch up with a lot of people that you, you bump into somebody and, and after talking to them for five minutes, uh, you feel like you've known them for 10 years or something and, yeah. Uh, yeah. and opportunities and the networking that comes from that's pretty cool. It's pretty remarkable. Yeah, it is remarkable. So I want to thank you for being on the podcast. Thanks for sharing your stories and thanks for all the great work that you're doing with Pheasants Forever. And, um, We'll look forward to doing this again, maybe next year or whenever we can. That so. sounds perfect. Awesome. I think we're Thank doing a hunt out east, right? Isn't that yeah, that's yeah. The, maybe that's, that's right. the time. Yes, we are. We're <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Outdoor Feast podcast. You can check out our other podcast and more at modcarn.com.